Welcome to Naomi's podcast. This is Naomi Elvinger. We're up to episode nine, and the title of this week's episode is When the World Just Seems So Icky. Now, this is a theme of my life that has become especially um, intense over the past few weeks and the last week, and that's why I've decided to talk about it today. So I don't know about you, but lately I've just been feeling that there's just so much hard stuff going on around me in the world and people I know and so many challenges, so much pain, so much, um, you know what I mean. And it, lately it's just been, felt so overwhelming and I just, the other day actually, the other night, um, I, was, I was having a really tough day and then that night I decided to, to go for a little stroll around the neighbourhood of my daughter and, um, you know, it was a pleasant, cooler evening and I'm just walking down my own street and what do I see? Um, like the sign that someone had hung up, like condemning another person and explaining why they're evil and should be avoided. And I, it was just so horrible that I had to see that. <laughs> I was like, I just can't escape. Like even on a simple walk down the street on, a, on an evening, um, you know, I think I just need to stay home and turn off all the news and just and pot around my lovely little garden here where the worst news is that, you know, a caterpillar ate my leaf. Um, that, that much I can handle, but no more. <laughs> so um, the next day, something really funny happened. I was expressing all this to my mother who lives in Australia and who I haven't seen for a long time due to today's realities. Um, but anyway, I was telling her how I'm just so sick of the bad news and I can't take it anymore. And she said something really funny. She said, you know, when I grew up, there was no bad news. I never heard, I never heard any bad news ever. I'm like, really? What does that mean? But it's true. Well, she explained it. And my mother grew up in a communist country in Romania in the 1950s. And as she described, the newspapers and radio was not allowed to publish any bad news. It was always good news every day. I was quite surprised to hear this because I would have thought, you know, they would forbid, be forbidden from publishing, you know, bad news or negative things about, you know, the communists or the government or the leaders, you know, that kind of thing. But apparently they weren't allowed to publish any bad news, not even like, say, like, a, you know, a car accident or a natural disaster or something like that. Has, it's obviously not the fault of the communists. No one's going to blame them, right? So why can't they publish that? Um, but no, apparently they weren't allowed to publish anything, any bad news at all. They just, you know, all the news was about how wonderful the country was doing and how wonderful their leaders are and how happy people were in that communist paradise. Um, she said it was only actually one negative thing that um, topic they were allowed to address and that it was um, how awful the Americans were and um, that was they were allowed to talk about that as much as they wanted and they'd have all kinds of caricatures showing Americans and the way that you knew it was an evil American was that they were always chewing gum, drinking Coca-Cola and probably standing on wads of cash, <laughs> wads of dollars. That's how you knew how evil the Americans were. Um, but get this, something funny. So my her father was, was my grandfather. He used to really crave to hear some real news, right? And um, so what we, when we say real news, what we mean is some bad news, right? So he used to tune into this illegal radio station that was broadcast from across the border so that he could hear what was actually going on in the world, right? Other than what, you know, the Romanian communists allowed people to publish in the newspapers. You know, when we say what was actually going on, what was reality? Reality means some bad news, <laughs> right? Um, so 
you know, it was interesting that we had this conversation and funny to me that, you know, here I am yearning for a life with no bad news. And my mother used to live that life. And you know what? It wasn't all that much fun. <laughs> I'm sure none of us are really jealous. So I thought that was an interesting message that I needed to hear. And um, really, I, I'm trying to get perspective on how I just feel so bombarded by everything that's going on right now. And, and it helps me to realize that, you know, perhaps it's all orchestrated by Hashem, you know, to happen to sort of come crashing down on us now because it's, it is the month of El, which is a time when, you know, we're supposed to be really woken up, woken up, right? Woken up from our slumber to the pain of the world, the, the all the things that are wrong and that need fixing and healing, right? We're supposed to be awoken. It's supposed to be overwhelming, you know, so that it will call us to to try and fix things, try and fix ourselves. Like that's chuva, right? And also that it will call us cause us to um to pray, you know, to have to be able to stand before our creator on the on the Yom Narayim on Hanukkah Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And like really stand there before our creator brokenhearted and able to really cry out to him from a place of brokenness. Like maybe that's what's going on here. Maybe that's why I find it so overwhelming. You know, I was last week I had the privilege of going to hear a very special psychic talk. Um, his name is Rev Svi Myers Wilberberg. He's a very famous person here in Australia. He's American, he speaks English, and he um, is known for just like being on an incredibly high spiritual level and really dedicating himself to his fellow Jews. Um, so it was, it was the first time that I was able to hear him speak in person after many years of hearing wonderful things about him. So I was excited about that. And he reminded us that, um, you know, that, you know, it's true that we've all had a very tough time over the past year or two. But, you know, the things that have happened were all decreed on the Rosh Hashanahs mm. of, you know, our recent years. And, um, and you know, also during the elves of our recent years, that, you know, the L being an opportunity to try and, like, I guess you could say, change the what we call evil decrees, right? So it was a bit of a nudge for us and for me to remind myself that, you know, yes, I do feel like you know, sometimes I feel like the negativity of the world is crashing down on me and that, you know, in terms of everything that's going on, I, you know, sometimes overwhelming, like here in Israel, they say we're heading into another lockdown and, and you know, it scares me very much. The main reason it scares me is because um, I felt like the last, the previous lockdowns caused so much tension in my community and amongst people I know between people who have different approaches to how, you know, we should be handling the COVID crisis. And, um, you know, there was a lot of like judgment and blaming and of, you know, different health or political or communal or whatever people are not happy the way things are being handled which i can understand is very very complicated and it's, there's a lot of mistakes being made a lot of things that like hard to know what's right and and it's just hard to know and people are getting very upset with each other and, and you know the fear for me of another lockdown is just more of that which just terrifies me so here i am getting into my dark place can you hear me <laughs> so so why is this coming on to me now I, you know it has to be from hashem it has to be that, um, you know, I need to have these feelings now. I need to be encountering those iffy things in the world now to, in order to wake me up, to, to remember what El is about and Rosh Hashanah is about. And, you know, that's the beauty of bad news, right? <laughs> Let's be grateful for bad news, just like my grandfather was. Let's treasure it. <laughs> so um, 
two books that, I, that I've been reading recently that have had an impact on me in this regard as well. They're two books I had both, both of them I'd heard a lot about for a while and I had been wanting to read for a while and then I finally got around to studying them. They're both Holocaust books. Um, one is by Dr. Edith Eger. It's a, it's a recent bestseller. She has two books, one's called The Choice and one's called The Gift. Um, on the topic of um, her, she's a Hungarian Holocaust survivor, went through Auschwitz, and it's on the top of her survival and um, subsequent like, like theories and systems of healing and healing from trauma that she developed as a clinical psychologist. Um, and the other book is called Vanquish the Dragon, which is also a Holocaust memoir written by a Polish survivor named Pearl Banish. And um, she, I mean, she was in Poland, so she was really in the war from the very from day one to the very last day, and went through many, many camps and horrors. Um, and it's a miracle that she survived. Um, and I was, I, I really enjoyed both these books, but they're very different, very different. And uh, I'll talk about why for a minute. Okay, so Dr. Ager is, um, is not from a religious background, and is doesn't really doesn't display much interest in Judaism in her works. Um, and as far as I can tell, I don't know, I don't know if her grandchildren and great grandchildren are Jewish and it doesn't seem to bother her. Like I can't say she's very inspired by Judaism though. She's Jewish, very obviously Jewish and not hiding her fact. And you know. Um, the other lady, Pearl Banish, is um she went through the Base Yarkov seminary in Krakow. And um, over there, she she learned a lot, obviously, and she was from a religious family in Krakow, and she um, she formed a lot of relationships with other students from Beis Yaakov, and they sort of formed this network that really helped each other out a lot during the war. And whenever they would meet up another Beis Yaakov graduate, um, then they would really help each other and stick together, and they did all kinds of things to save each other and help each other and also to do, like, tremendous mind-blowing acts of chesed for each other. So... Um, the amazing thing is that though these these uh, two women have such come from such vastly different places, in a way they kind of reach the same conclusion, um, which is you know that everybody everybody in life has a choice, even under any circumstances, and the choices that we make are really the most important thing, right? No matter how hard things are and how and how much we're victims of our circumstances, like that is less important than you know. The point of life, which is the choices we make under those circumstances. I'll just read you like a really powerful line from Dr. Ager's book, which um, is actually from The Gift. And, let you know, it's in the introduction. It says, as a psychologist, as a mother, grandmother and great-grandmother, as an observer of my own and others' behaviour, and as an Auschwitz survivor, I'm here to tell you that the worst prison is not the one that the Nazis put me in. The worst prison is the one that I built for myself. Wow. So, you know, the prison that she built for herself and was eventually able to break free of was the feeling that she's a victim and she has no choice and no options and she's stuck, right? So um, that is her eventual conclusion. So these Basie Alpha girls um, and their, their people that they collaborated with, these incredibly brave Jews, um, you know, it's kind of like they knew that already. Like no one says it, <laughs> but you can see from the way they behaved during the war that, like, they, on some deep level, perhaps you know, informed by their sh very strong Jewish upbringing, they knew this already. And um, I'll give you just an example of one of the ways that um, 
Pearl Banish's life was saved during the war. She, in the earlier days of the war, she was in some sort of work camp. She was actually there um, illegally. She wasn't supposed to be there. And one day she was discovered by the camp commandant who was like an absolute beast of cruelty and, and like inhumanity. And he was very excited to find her because he was wanted to kill her. He was very looking for a nut in his next victim. So he raised his pistol to her head and, you know, it was like all geared up for the highlight of his day. But then what happened was uh, one of the uh, Jews who was like in the administration of the camp came over and started to beat her up with a truncheon. He like beat her mercilessly and like like hurled invectives at her and um, curses and he like started to kick her violently and, and everything and um, he really hurt her badly. And do you know what? He did it as an act of compassion to save her life. And in fact, he did save her life. By beating her up like that, because you know he she created he created a distraction for the commandant who was ready to shoot her in the head, um, and the commandant he did this at great risk to himself. You know, as a prominent person who was known to the commandant, and he also was annoying the commandant because the guy wanted to kill him herself with his pistol, and this guy sort of took the took the uh, privilege for himself supposedly, and he attracted actually the commander was really not happy with him, but he took that risk as an act of compassion to be. Uh, to be Pearl Banish up. So I thought that, you know, this was such an incredible act of courage and bravery and chesed, but obviously not in the way that we normally think. And it's very hard to, to not draw from this all kinds of analogies of like how, you know, how often the the most important, the best things that happen to our life feel like getting beaten up. <laughs> um, and yeah. So if I'm feeling like a little bit like a pummeled by the world right now, then then I can I can overcome it and I can I can focus on knowing knowing the reality, right? So I want to read to you an excerpt from uh, the Pearl Banish's book, also from the preface, um, which you no know, I think is really powerful um, in light of what we're all going through. So she says. To all the self-appointed judges, I say, stay away from those sacred ashes. Do not dare to touch the still glowing embers on this altar of Jewish pain and suffering. I'm just going to pause there and write that. When she when I read these words, I feel like I don't exactly know what she's talking about, right? Because perhaps she's talking about something specific that was going on at the time when she wrote this book 30 years ago. Um, but like, I'm guessing that what she's talking about is that, you know, there are people who, you know, look at, the way Holocaust you know, victims and survivors and people in the Holocaust, how they, how the Jews there behaved, decisions they made, the, the choices they made, and like judge them and be like, oh, they did it because of this, they should have done that. Why didn't they do this? How come they? Like she's telling them, back away, right? She says, do not meddle in the complexities and feel of feelings of love and devotion, of sacrifice and pangs of guilt. You will never be able to plumb the depths of human feeling in those tragic circumstances. Only the one who understands men's hearts and reads men's minds all the time in all situations can comprehend the agony of their decisions. It is not for you to judge. Okay, the next paragraph, is, I think it's even more pertinent. And above all, to the professionals, the learned men, those all-knowing individuals, I say, please do not offer us reasons. Do not try to give us ready answers to the, all those painful questions because you do not know. Nobody knows. So please... Stay away a few paces from this sacred altar. Bend your head in awe and admiration and have the courage to say, we do not know. 
In the most difficult times, in the midst of terrible suffering, when the world was tumbling around us, we cried out, why? And we cried out, why? We knew that as the psalmist teaches, like I guess, to Helen, all this came from God. Why? We do not know. It is a mystery in our eyes. That's also a quote. So I'm going to stop there. Now, I mean, it's very poignant to hear these words from a Holocaust survivor who is, you know, imploring us as later generations to, you know, be able to read the stories and learn from them, but without judgment of the people involved. Um, and I, you know, it's very poignant and moving. But I thought, I thought to myself, you know, what if I could apply Mrs. Banish's words to our own times, right? To our own realities that we're having so much upheaval in the world these days and so much confusion and anxiety and suffering and trouble that we're having. What if I could apply those words, okay? Do not, to the self-appointed judges, I say, right? Do not meddle in the complexities of feelings of love and devotion, of sacrifice and pangs and guilt. Only the one who understands men's hearts and reads men's minds all the time in all situations can comprehend the agony of their decisions, right? What if we're talking about today, like the what people do, the things that sound, seem to us wrong or not smart or ignorant or, you know, destructive, and we, instead of, like, judging them, right, we take that attitude that she's saying. And above all, to the professionals, the learned men, those all-knowing individuals, I say, please don't offer us reasons. Do not try to give us ready answers to all those painful questions because you do not know. Nobody knows, which is so true. Like, I'm just telling myself, like, you know, I think we need to practice right now, I need to practice right now, is extreme non-judgment, right? To the point where not only am I not judging other people for the things they do, right, but I have to not judge people for their judging, you know, like, um, you know, I see them judging me or judging someone else or judging leaders or judging whoever, politicians, decision makers, medical people, non-medical people, anti-medical people, everyone, you know, or judge, we see people making those judgments and I need to not judge them. <laughs> That's how deep it needs to go, right? As she says, um, have the courage to say, we do not know, I do not know. In the midst of diff most difficult times, when the world's tumbling down around us, you cry out why, just know that this came from God and it's a mystery in our eyes and that is that is my reality right now. All these things that I find so hard to accept that are going on right now. You know, not that I've had such a terrible time in COVID, believe me, compared to many people, you know, it has not been as difficult for us, thank God. But, um, you know, still it's been very, very challenging you know, what personal circumstances into our lives and and just social circumstances and economic circumstances and everything. Um, so, you know, that's the most thing that I need to say, you know, all this came from God and it's a mystery. And I just let's accept that it's a mystery. And, you know, as, you know, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Hadin, the day of judgment approaches, like I, I, want, a, I want a good judgment from above. And it seems that it's pointing to me that what, the way for me to, to show my readiness for that is to, cease judging that i should cease judging others and you know while society should like step back a bit from judging everybody and the, the decisions they make under difficult confusing circumstances and um and you know realizing that hashem's in charge hashem's hashem is forming the, this these circumstances he's not just also that he's forming the decisions made by our leaders they don't have you know they don't have control over that hashem is deciding we have to lay off judging them and judging everyone and just realizing this is a mystery and this comes from Hashem 
and, and that's course, you know, we'll avoid more harsh judgments, you know, in the new year. That's the thoughts I've been having and, and um, you know, it's helping me to some degree and um, I, I felt the need to talk about this week in this podcast and thank you for listening. You are invited, as always, to join us again next week. Bye.